Our Bible reading this morning is coming from Psalm 51. It's a psalm written by King David after the prophet Nathan had come to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and just, <clears throat> justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear your joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You are God my Saviour, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, O God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Peter. So, um, just to, before I start sharing the word today, I just want to mention a couple of things. One is that... Um, We've been running an Alpha course here at this church, and if you've uh, driven past or came in today, you may have seen a big banner on the wall next door of the uh, car wash talking about Alphas being held here. And yesterday we had a very special day. Anyone who knows about the Alpha course, there's a day of, of uh, some, sometimes it's called the Holy Spirit Weekend. We did it in one day where we uh, focused on the work of the Holy Spirit and uh we transformed this chapel into lots of um, small groups and uh, had a lovely meal in the hall and it was a wonderful day and, and God's Spirit really did touch a lot of people's lives. It was a very special time. So I would, firstly, want, I say all that because I want to thank um, particularly Leah who was playing that high-tech instrument today over there um, for her leadership in this area um, but also because we believe that uh, we're going to be running more Alpha courses. And uh, if you've heard about Alpha, you've never done it, but you're a bit interested, we're going to be running more courses, so stay tuned because um, um, they are at transforming times. The second thing I just want to share is that um, Eleanor mentioned the 18th of June. So the 18th of June, we're going to have a, um, a lunch in the hall 
this is an opportunity to um, reflect on, because we've been going for all of three months this Sunday. That, that's a bit of a milestone. Um, but we want to reflect on where we've come from and celebrate, but also to share our core values for particularly those folks who are new. And then also to dream and plan and pray about what's next. Where's God leading us? So the 18th of June, we're going to hear more about it, but please, um, and I mentioned it in our newsletter, put that as a really significant day to attend. But let's have a word of prayer now. Heavenly Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable in your sight, that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to us and lead us into truth and understanding. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, this is actually week five of the Lord's Prayer. You may think, wow, how can you spend five weeks on the Lord's Prayer? Well, we're going to spend one more week. So we're going to end up spending six weeks on the Lord's Prayer. And and last week, um, Rod Dyson shared with us, um, give us today our daily bread. And I want to take us to the next verse about forgiveness. And uh, that's why you may have uh, picked up the psalm that, that Peter read to us, Psalm 51, um, because it's all about forgiveness. And so in, uh, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12, where the Lord's Prayer is first talked about, um, it says this, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And the word debts there is really not so much talking about financial debts. It's actually really talking about moral debts. Other translations and other parts of the Bible use the word sin. And in fact, if for those who go back some years, the old King James Version used the word trespasses. You said, love that, lots of S's. They'd be a bit careful how you said it because you could uh, spray it. But trespass, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against it. I don't know if you ever remember education department schools always used to have a sign, trespasses will be prosecuted. I always used to get a bit excited about that. But the word trespasses, forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts, forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. So I, I just want to use today for this whole issue of forgiving us our sins as a case study of King David. And uh, the psalm that was read to us was a response that David the king had to being confronted by a particular prophet called Nathan about his misdemeanors and that they're fairly significant misdemeanors. So let me just give you a potted history very shortly about King David. And, and for those who would like to do some extracurricular activities, um, the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 11, talks about the whole story about this. But essentially, you've got this king, David, and David was a very powerful king, unlike kings today. Now, we've just had the coronation, and many people willingly or unwillingly watched that. Um, went for quite a long time, dare I say. But anyway, it happened, and a lot of pageantry, um, and a lot of ceremony, and a lot of prayer as well. Um but it's fair to say that King Charles III has got fairly limited powers. I know it's a shock to hear it, but that's, a, that's the reality. Um, more of a, a figurehead and a ceremonial head. However, 
in the biblical times, if you're a king, you had immense power. Immense power. You couldn't get anyone more powerful than the king. And David was a particularly powerful king because he had reunited the kingdom of, of Judah and Israel, the northern and southern areas had come together. He defeated all these enemies. And so he was all powerful. And one night he went up onto the roof of his palace and uh, he was looking out over the scene and he saw a beautiful woman who was having a bath, a woman called Bathsheba. And uh, David's eyes were directed to her. So much so that he asked for one of his um, servants or subjects to go and get Bathsheba and bring him her into the palace. So basically, and, and look, if you're a young woman, you had no way of, of uh, really standing up against the king. The king was all-powerful. And so Bathsheba was brought in the, um, into the palace. David had sex with her, and she became pregnant. Bear in mind, David had a lot of wives as well. Okay, so, that, so he, he, he was basically abusing his power to commit adultery with a, with a young woman. And she becomes pregnant. So then he works out, well, what am I going to do now? So the Bathsheba's husband was a bloke called Uriah, and he was a soldier. And so he got Uriah to come back from the front line, and he was trying to get Uriah to spend some time with Bathsheba. But Uriah wouldn't, wouldn't um, go back home because the battles were still going on and there was unfinished business. And, uh, and, and despite David's best efforts, he even got Uriah drunk. And he was trying to get him to, to um, sleep with his wife, but he was too loyal um, to, to the army and to the king. And so he, it, that plan failed. So he had to go to plan B. And plan B was to arrange for Uriah to be killed. And so he put Uriah in the front line of a battle, the most fiercest battle they had at the time. And Uriah was put right in the front line and he was killed. And so that's how David dealt with, with this problem of Uriah. So here was this king abusing his position, abusing his power. And this prophet, Nathan, tells a story and basically confronts David with his sin. And let me tell you, that was a pretty brave thing to do because this is the all-powerful king. One word and you're dead. And, and Nathan stands up and basically challenges David about what he's done. And uh, you can read it, as I say, in more detail in Second Samuel. So it's in response to this challenge that Nathan has about David and how, how he's sinned against God and against his subjects that, um, that David responds with the psalm that was read to us today. And I want to just pick up Psalm 51, verses 1 to 4, because, which was read to us before. But this was what, um, by the way, we are going to get a bigger lectern because it hasn't quite big, big enough. That's one of our key priorities. From my point of view, anyway. Um, and so in Psalm 51, verses 1 to 4, David, in response to being confronted by the prophet about his adultery with Bathsheba, he says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity 
and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before you. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, and you are right in your verdict and justified when you justified when you judge. So David was fully aware of his sin. He had misused his power. He had um, caused this young woman uh, to become pregnant. By the way, the sad story is that that, that child that was conceived ends up dying. And, and, and there's a lot of outfall because, it, to tell you folks, when we sin, there's a lot of consequences and there's a lot of repercussions. And there are a lot of repercussions in this situation. So David's praying um, and acknowledging his sin. But then in Psalm 51, he moves on and he's actually asking for forgiveness. And uh, verse 7 of Psalm 51, which will be up on the screen, he says, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. And then there's this lovely two verses which um, one of my heroes many years ago, uh, called Keith Green, made a song about this. This is where it comes from. Verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So David acknowledged his sin, as terrible as it was, and he was asking God to forgive him. Folks, can I tell you the good news is that in Christ, we can know complete forgiveness. And we talked about that some weeks ago when on the words of the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And forgiveness is complete in Christ. And if you can't remember what was said, dare I say, you can go to our podcast. And on our podcast, you can find that particular message. But in that message, I mentioned about the fact that because of what God has done in Jesus, our sins are out of sight. They're um, they're out of mind. They're out of reach. As far as the east is from the west, God's removed our transgressions from us. God doesn't remember our sin anymore. Do you remember that, folks? This is, this is incredible that, that in Christ we can know this complete forgiveness. And so when David prayed, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, God actually gives us a new heart. Elsewhere in the Bible, in the book of Ezekiel, the Bible says, He takes away our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. So when you come to Christ, you receive a spiritual heart transplant. How good's that? And, and, and our sin is totally forgiven. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. And so David's praying for this forgiveness. But folks, we can know this complete forgiveness in Christ. And that's why the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our sin. It's a prayer. And so if we fast forward to 1 John chapter 1, there's this wonderful scripture in the New Testament that uh, says this. And if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But this is this next verse is the classic one. But if we confess our sins, he, talking about God, he is faithful and just 
and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So folks, that's the great promise that if we confess our sins to God through what Jesus has done upon the cross, he forgives our sin. He forgives our sin. We are whiter than snow. God doesn't have any memory of our sin. We can remember it. We can regurgitate it. We can bring it up. We can think about things that we've done to people in the past and they may weigh heavily upon us and the old enemy will remind us of our failings and our faults. But in Christ, we are forgiven if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our righteousness. Amen? Amen. This is exciting stuff. I'm getting a fraction excited because... Everything springs out of forgiveness. It's powerful. But we need to recognize that we're sinners. You know, um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, um, said at one point that this is a trustworthy saying, that Christ has come to save, save sinners. And then he says, of whom I am the worst. Now, Paul, Paul was a, a, an apostle. He spread the gospel throughout the whole of the Middle East to the Gentiles. And yet he knew that he was the chief of sinners. He was one of the worst. And folks, we need to get to a point where we recognize that there's a holy God who's a loving God, but he's a holy God. And we've failed and we're at fault. And so we, we are sinners. And yet the good news of the gospel is that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that line in the Lord's Prayer is so important. Forgive us our sin. Because invariably, folks, can I just tell you, the enemy will remind us of our failing. He will remind us. He works day and night. Day and night. The devil's never unemployed. He's working day and night. Trying to put guilt upon us. Trying to drag us down. And yet in Christ... We are cleansed. The Bible says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. So that's, that's this whole line in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins. But then Jesus says to his disciples in this prayer, forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven those who sin against us. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Come back to Matthew chapter 6 with me. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors or forgiven those who have sinned against us. And I've got to say that the second part of the prayer can be pretty challenging. It can be pretty challenging. We can sort of accept and gloriously accept that we can know a forgiveness in God through Jesus. But the flow on is that we're also called to forgive other people. They're actually tied together. See forgiveness, but then in turn forgive other people. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, we read this verse. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands whether anyone 
feels as though someone's got a grievance against them or they've got a grievance against someone else. But if I'm, and I think I am, talking to flesh and blood, talking to normal average human beings here today, we probably can think about certain people who have got done things to us or haven't done things for us that we hold grievances about. Think about certain, and not, not pitching on, picking on the teaching profession today, but certain teachers who may have given us a hard time when we're at school. Certain individuals who have treated us badly. Certain relationships that went pretty sour. Certain disappointments that, that, that have, people have let us down. We can think of all sorts of stuff. And the Bible says we're called to forgive, but it calls us to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. So really forgiving others is a sign that we understand that we're forgiven. It should flow. It should flow on. The Apostle Peter at one point asked Jesus an interesting question found in Matthew chapter 18. Let me just read this to you. Matthew 18 verses 21 to 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who has sinned against me? Seven times. Seven seemed a pretty good number, you know. Seven times. If someone's done the same thing or different thing to you, seven times, you think, well, that's not a bad effort. Forgive them that many times. But then Jesus comes back and says, in some versions it says, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or sometimes it's, the Bible says 70 times seven. And this is not to say that when you get to number 76, you say, well, you're on borrowed time now. You know, no, no. I think it's meant to be a very large number. So we are called to forgive other people. But it flows out of the fact that in Christ we have been forgiven. But folks, it's really crucial that we do forgive other people. Because unforgiveness and bitterness can actually fester in our lives. And it can really be like this, almost like a cancerous growth that sort of is within us and is actually causing major significant issues, both um, emotionally and physiologically. So forgiveness is really important. And we're called to forgive other people. And I know that we sometimes go through this rationalization where we think, oh, look, you know, Mark, you don't know what someone's done to me. You don't know how I've been treated. You don't know what someone's done and said about me to other people. You don't know how I've been so let down. Well, I don't know, but I tell you what God knows. And he calls us to forgive as we have been forgiven. You know, it's appropriate that on Mother's Day, I share just a quick story um, about my mother. And uh, when... Um, my mum started to develop when she was in her um, late 30s, rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, so much so that her, her uh, knuckles became really misshapen and swollen and uh, she was in a lot of pain. And this gradually got worse and worse. And, uh, and so much so that when, when Joy and I got married, and you know when you have a wedding, um, and in some weddings there's a... Um, just recently, I was at a wedding. My daughter and her husband, Carl and Joe, are here today. Got, I did my first wedding 
is it three weeks ago? I think you might have. Um, just checking. I love a good wedding. That was a good wedding. Um, that's right, I knew what I was talking about. Um, so that they have, you have often, you know, you, you could, sometimes at receptions you have a bit of a ceremony where you walk past and shake everyone's hands, you see. On the day that we got married, um, my mum really couldn't shake people's hands because her hands and joints were so much in pain. And this gradually got worse and worse. And she went to get medical advice, but there wasn't anything you could really do. And uh, it was really crippling her. And uh, and then she was in a, dare I say it, small group. And uh, I wasn't there and my dad wasn't there, but she was in this particular small group and uh, they were praying. And the Lord gave someone in that group some insight to my mum. And this person said to my mum, I think God's saying to you that um, a mum's mum's name is Betty. My mum's name is Betty. That Betty, I think God's saying that there's some unforgiveness in your life. And I don't want to sort of um, overcook it in the sense, but my mum, you would never have thought that she had that in her life. You wouldn't have sensed that. She was a very loving and outgoing and 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 care and care caring person, but. This person said, I think there's some unforgiveness in your mum's life, in your Betty's life. And uh, and as they prayed, the Lord gave my mum this insight that um, she she would really did was holding this real bitterness because um, we I wished to have a excuse me um, I had a brother who drowned when he was four years old, and I was six at the time, and my mum really was affected by that. Any mother is affected by that situation. But mum buried it really deep and she actually was had this huge bitterness deep down against God for taking a little boy. And uh, as I, this small group prayed, this realisation came through and so my mum confessed her sin. And she had this incredible response she just sensed God's love pouring into her life. And uh, I remember when she came home because she was quite emotional. I get a bit emotional talking about it. But I've got to tell you that after that point, the rheumatoid arthritis began to cut back and just to dissipate. And her and the pain would start to go. And she knew, she discovered a healing from this rheumatoid arthritis which had been affecting her for years and years, but had been festering in her life. You never would have known it outwardly that she had that sort of bitterness, but, but God revealed it. And, and folks, she confessed her sin to God and she received healing. And so unforgiveness can be a terrible thing. It can grip our lives. And you don't have to be a person over the age of 55 or 60 today to be in that situation of any age. And Jesus said, forgive us our sins when you pray. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who forgive us, who sinned against us. We need to not only receive God's forgiveness, but we need to forgive other people. And the Holy Spirit 
will prompt us when and sometimes it comes into our into our mind that, that we've we are holding something against someone. Well, we just don't need to let that. We need to actually do something about that. And sometimes God prompts us and calls us to do some action in response to that. So the Lord's prayer is a powerful prayer, and forgiveness is a powerful thing. But we need to respond to the forgiveness by forgiving other people. And you know the condition of your heart, and the Lord knows the condition of your heart today. And maybe the Spirit of God is prompting you to forgive someone else. And we need to do it for a number of reasons. We need to do it because God asks us to do it, but also because it can actually free our lives. And it can actually just result in freedom as opposed to captivity. So I'm just going to pray now that the Holy Spirit might touch our lives because we need to live constantly in the freedom of our forgiveness and we need to have forgiving hearts. So let's pray now. Dear Lord, you know our hearts and you know where we stand before you right now. I pray, Lord, firstly, that if there's anyone here who has never experienced the forgiveness of sins, has never made that decision to confess their sin before the Lord, I pray, Lord, that that might break in upon people's lives now and that we might take our eyes off ourselves and look to Jesus and receive this wonderful gift of forgiveness. But, Lord, I also pray that for those of us who are holding on to grudges, and unforgiveness and bitterness, Lord, that in the light of the glory of the gospel, that we might relinquish that now. Relinquish it to you, Jesus. Lay that burden, lay that whole baggage at the foot of the cross. And Lord, if you're calling us to do something specific, then I pray that you would just give us the, um, the, uh, the courage and the unction to do it. So dear Father, we, we commit ourselves to you now afresh and I ask that this glorious freedom that we can know about forgiveness would break into our lives. I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.